0: welcome to according to flint the innovative podcast reaching beyond the western demographic with stories humor and interviews now here's your host flint rasmussen Welcome back to another episode of According to Flint. Sticking to my roots, my living, uh, sort of, I would I would have to say our main topic on this podcast, and that is Western sports. And happy to have one of my all-time favorite guests, whether it's radio, stage version of According to Flint, a visit in the hallway uh, at the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. He's a 14-time Wrangler National Finals Rodeo qualifier, the 2016 tie-down roping world champion. And the ropinest redhead I've ever known it is uh, the one and only Tyson Durfee. Tyson, uh, I'm glad to finally go on the air with you because now that we have all our lighting, uh, our noses powdered, I think the people should know that we we probably prepped longer for this little project than any guest I've ever had. We're we're weird. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It literally took me an hour to set everything up the right way. You know, I didn't do it. the cow. I set it up the right way to do this because I want to look good for you. I mean, like, you know, you're stud. I got I got to be up there on your same level. I get that a
0: lot. Um, yeah. I like that you come on the air and start asking a 52 year old uh, rodeo clown how to run your zoom operation. <laughs> so I appreciate we got that. Through. Yeah, we got through it. Uh, it's good to see. I, I do want you to know, and I touched on this before we went on the air. It was uh, uh, you are a go-to for me, uh, guest-wise, and especially at Vegas on my my stage show outside the barrel that I do there. And we didn't have as many rodeo contestants. Uh, this year, of course, because it's a different. It was a different time. You guys were getting tested, and I know he, I even heard a lot of people say, "Oh, these contestants—they should still be out and about." Uh, I didn't have one bit of problem with guys not coming on my show, and I think from me to you, smart move. I mean, really smart. I, I'm—I just got over it, so I did get sick when I got home. So good job.
1: Yeah, and it's so funny because you know this whole year. I've been to rodeos all over America and, and, you know, mostly like, you know, Oklahoma, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota, Utah, Idaho. And I was back and forth, back and forth. And I had not one fear about catching COVID. Wasn't scared of it. You know, the, the, the rate of, you know, survival rate is so high, especially for a fairly young individual that's in good shape. I just wasn't worried about it and didn't see any contestants get it. But when you're leading up to the NFR and they say, hey, if you catch this, you can't compete, it really sinks in. (laughs) Like I I understood the fear that somebody had maybe with a health condition leading up to that moment because it was like, okay, maybe I'm not scared – to get sick but i'm scared to lose my entire yeah. income for the entire year that i feed my family with so uh yeah it was crazy we quarantined uh, i apologize to all the fans and i've done it multiple times that we weren't out signing autographs and meeting people as much i i really feel for the fans more than anybody but it was something we had to do there were a couple contestants uh, yeah. that got there no symptoms no fever no nothing and got kicked out Right. So that's
0: just devastating. Well, and, and like I told you, I, we, we dealt with it. When I say we, PBR wise, that's, you know, yeah. in my, my real world, what I do. We'd been dealing with that, you know, since end of April. We, we were kind of the first ones back. And I, I think the consensus was, I'm not afraid of getting sick. I'm afraid of testing positive. And Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and myself, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, the fans were fine. Because it was a little bit of a free for all, and yeah. here's here's why I uh, looking at now why I respect contestants saying I'm not going out in the crowd because I, I, I say to oh just people who have acquaintances who do you shake hands with in your everyday life people you know like hey Tyson good to see you with us when we're out doing public appearances we got a howdy do and shake hands to every person. And there, Everybody. and there was a, just so you know, out there, there was a real look you in the eye, shake my hand thing going yeah. on. And I think that's, that's kind of what probably got me. So,
1: well, well, and, and with the way I carry myself, it's like in the eyes of the fan, you can never have a bad day. Exactly. <clears throat> and, and what I do, like literally I could just have missed my calf and I'm riding out the arena. There's a little boy waiting on me as soon as I get out that wanted to meet me, that might've been sitting there for 30 minutes or 40 minutes. And so I have to learn to just get that out of my mind and give them all that I have. And I'm a very like, I like people, like I genuinely like people. And I have to learn to shut that off and go give that hug or shake that hand or take that photo because I know that that kid or that person will remember that forever. And that's why I said, hey, I'm sorry to the fans because I really like giving myself to them as much as possible because without them, I mean, let's be honest, we don't have the prize money you
0: know, right. Or the sponsors. No. And, and that's, uh, you know, in this time we're going to spend together today, you and I, in, in all the years you've been a guest on, on a lot of the things I've done, we rarely talk about actual rodeo. Uh, It reminds me of, uh, you know, Ty Murray was my first guest on my first episode. And he spent all that time with Larry Mahan as a kid. And he said, Larry Mahan taught me so much. And so, None of it was about rodeo. It was about riding, and that's our conversations. But I do got to uh, let's at least touch on it. A little yeah. summary of the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo okay. because it was in Texas. It was so different. It was it was a whole different experience. Uh, give me give me a not a bad week. You I know there was no. things that happened that you weren't necessarily ha- happy with some barrier things, but summary of your week not a bad week really
1: not a bad. yeah i mean anytime you could go compete for i don't know maybe two minutes over a 10-day period and make seventy thousand (laughs) dollars like pretty damn good week in my mind so uh looking back pretty damn good week uh i i rode my new horse blue duck i rode my old horse mitch a little bit i got a jerk down which took me out of the average in the first go-round so pretty much from then on it was go for the go-round money I was able to play second and third a couple of times, fourth once, and maybe sixth once, so I got some checks. I was happy with it all in all. I love the experience of it being in Texas. You know, I know you're from Montana and I'm a transplant to Texas, but Texas really embraces cowboy culture, yeah, you know to yeah. and as far as numbers of cowboys, there's just a lot of them yeah, I think if they were able to open it up, I think it could be pretty interesting. I think they could have sold 40,000 tickets the last few days for sure.
0: Yeah. And no, I, I gave credit where credit was due. It was, I'm a Vegas guy because Vegas built it, you know, um, but really credit where credit is due. When when I looked at your, your finals and a couple of the little breaks you had and thinking of what kind of summary of NFR is Tyson going to give me I have two girls that are ropers and one in particular, my daughter, Shelby, she'll have a, a rodeo or a jackpot or a team roping jackpot. She goes to, and she'll say, I, I didn't end up being, doing what I wanted to do, but I feel like I'm roping really well. And I, I thought as your week went, I really thought you were roping. Well, you know, like you, yeah. there was just a couple things here and there.
1: A couple little things. One of the things I didn't trust my horse enough, you oh. know, I was riding, uh, blue, a horse I call blue duck was a horse. Like it's 30 days to the end of the season. Mitch is worn out. I have to have another horse. I fly in by the horse. I get the horse and I start rodeoing on the horse immediately. Like there was no time to get to know him. There was no time. And so leading up to the NFR, I was planning on riding blue all the way through. He hurts his, a uh, 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 ligament in his leg, like a month, before, a month and a half before the NFR. And I don't even ride him at all. Like none. And I woke up one morning and I was like, you know, I haven't been riding him really. I haven't been roping on him, but I feel like I should ride this horse. So I cracked him out and tied one in seven, three, that next, that same night without any practice, Mm. without any work on him. And I just went with my gut and my instinct and it paid off, but you know, I didn't trust his speed. I didn't trust him enough. He's very green. Never been to a building, anything close to that. I mean, he came from, you know, MRCA amateur rodeo where I grew up in Missouri. So, I think if I trust my horse, I win at least a hundred thousand.
0: Yeah. It, it it was interesting getting to the NFR. I feel like, and you can speak to this a little bit. I feel like the good Cowboys, there's, there's more to being a world champion or getting to the Wrangler NFR than just the best guys. You got to know how to enter, how to rodeo, how to travel, knowing which horses can handle. I mean, you could, make a list of the things that determine who the winner is at the end this year throw all that out the window it, it was completely out the window of just scrambling going to little rodeos that you'd never been to that you no longer really have to go to I mean you went you probably went to rodeos that you went I never thought I'd be there give me give, yeah, me, yeah. give, give me a give me a little rodeo you went to that when you think of a rodeo you never had been to and you went to this year that you went. It's pretty cool. I, I wish I yeah. could come here again. Burwell, Nebraska. Oh yeah, of course. Burwell's awesome. Like <laughs> yes. and here's
1: the thing. Like, I'm driving from from somewhere, I don't even remember where I'm coming from. And it's a long ways to Burwell, Nebraska from my house. I think it was like 16 <laughs> or 17 hours. Yeah. Like it was forever. And it's not interstate. No, it's we're not talking at all. two-lane roads the whole way. Yeah. I get to Burwell, it's about an hour, it starts torrentially downpouring. <laughs> I get there, it's pouring. I got my bus and my trailer and, and Burwell's not really built for like big buses and, yes, I and know. trailers. Yes. And so I spend like two hours trying to get set up. It's muddy as hell. But I got there and I went and looked at the rodeo grounds and I'm like, man, this is a rodeo grounds that like my dad would have competed at yep. in the seventies. Like mm-hmm. so original, like wood. Very unique rodeo grounds that that hadn't changed to like the modern aluminum bleacher like everywhere else had, and I just loved it. The community was great. We 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 pulled the bus through town. We got a burger at one of the places. Uh, I just really enjoyed it. And you know what? I'm going to try to get back to Burwell if I can because I didn't win anything. And if I didn't win, I got to go back. You got to go back.
0: (laughs) I think that's where some of these rodeos once things get going again, they're going to benefit from that. I think there's going to be some guys go, I went to, I did Burwell a couple times in my yeah. pre pre Cheyenne Frontier days, days. Yeah. And, and real quick, I do want you to know the year I went, it, I was, was, say, it was a long time ago. It, this was decades 90. ago. Um, I go, we have a Friday night performance. I'm walking back to my trailer. Benny Butler catches me. Uh, stock contractor, Benny Butler starts feeding me Whiskey, and it was a bad night, and had two performances on Saturday in the 105 degree heat. That's all yes. I remember. Oh, not good. It was not good.
1: <laughs> and this year is 50 and
0: raining. Yeah, so you never. So remember.
1: like, there's the fluctuation of temperature, yeah. right?
0: Um, but what a to to finally get the NFR, you got mm. y, you have to win on the last calf you rope of the regular season to get the NFR, basically, don't you? Well, that was the scenario.
1: Yeah, so the last week of the season, I was literally, when I checked the standings, I was 21st. And I say, you know what, Lord, it's all or nothing on this one. And I knew I had the tour finale, which was going to pay a lot. And the way it all broke out, like, I didn't win anything anywhere else. Pretty much for months. Like, literally for months, I don't win anything. But I've always had this like feeling in my gut, like when you put the pressure on my back, I will succeed, right? I will succeed. And now that is, to, to be honest, that is a trained asset that I've trained myself to have because when I was younger in high school and college, I pretty much failed every time I hit pressure. And so I, I began to work at succeeding under pressure and I and I'd have a little win and that would stack on my confidence. And I have a little bit win and I'd stack on my confidence. So going into the last round, I, I mean I had to win first. Second wasn't good enough at the tour finale. Long story short, I, I ended up winning it and 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 skated into the finals. Ended up going in like twelfth from twenty first to twelfth and literally the last uh the last uh day of the season.
0: Yeah. Um that's such a I think you put that a good way. And we'll get to more of this there's you, you see kid I always watch my kids and it comes down and they need this to win. And I think let this be their, let, let yeah. this be the time they get a break, but yeah. they're, they're not, it's not luck. It's not breaks. You create that. And there is a way to train to put yeah. yourself in those scenarios. And, and I think yeah. kids miss that.
1: Yeah. I, I think we've, I'm just going to be brutally honest right now. Hmm. Like good. I I love the kids that are in my mentorship program. I love the kids in general. I love them all. But us as parents are too soft. Yeah. We, we, at times, you know, like when I was a kid and I, and I failed my dad or bucked off a horse, my dad would be like, you know, literally get your ass up, get back on that horse. I don't want to see you crying. Like that's how my dad was maybe a little bit too tough. I would say. And, and now, uh, I think as parents, we want our kids to do so good. We, you know, we we get them the best horses, we get them the biggest rigs, we get them a lot of the stuff. So they're not used to really going through that hardcore failure. And that's really what my program's about, or what I'm all about is like, hey, you know what? You you screwed up or you failed. That's okay. I don't give a damn. What is important is that you pick yourself back up and keep moving forward, and you do it with your own intuition and your own guts, not somebody else, right? You have that inner faith in yourself that says, you know what, no matter what I go through, I will keep going. I will keep growing. I will get better and I'll keep pushing. What started my whole trajectory with like failing was in my sophomore year at the national high school finals. I missed a calf in the short round. And this was like the second time, like I should have won state, missed a calf in the short go two looped him, didn't win the state, got to nationals, had a chance to win the nation, missed my calf in the short though. Uh, and, and failed. I failed twice, like within a couple of months period. And I remember how like disappointed, like my dad was disappointed on me. I was disappointed in myself. I felt like I let the whole, you know, state down. And I said, I said, I, and, and I wasn't, I was disappointed. Like not even, I, I drank, I partied, I chased girls. I like, I was wild in high school, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, so I was like, I was like, I am never doing that again. I will never fail again. If I, if I don't get through in the last, it's not going to be because I, I was scared and I didn't believe in myself. And so every day I said, well, how do I get that? Okay. I get up at 4.30 in the morning and I practice for two hours before high school. I get out of school. I go shoe a couple of horses and I practice till like, literally I would practice from 11, from the time I got home from shoeing horses to like 11 o'clock every night. I went on about four to six hours of sleep my entire high school career. Uh, I did not live with my dad. I lived on my own, uh, on, he had a, a ranch that I lived at, but I begin to train that belief in myself that when I get back in the corner, I win, I succeed. And, and I think that kids, you know, uh, any person,
0: kid, grown part, they can have that.
1: You just have to be willing to go through the fire until you get it.
0: Yeah. And I, you bring up good point. We, uh, more my, you know, I give, my girl's mom more credit than me for sure because she yeah. she has the right mentality in the goal setting. You can't just say, hey, I wanna, I, I'm going to be the state champ. Yeah, that That's a goal but that's not really, you, you can put that up here but mm-hmm. you got to, well, how are you going to do that? I'm going to practice two hours before school. I'm going to run three miles a day. There's got to be actual specifics to get to that goal. You can't just set uh, a goal out there, and think I'll get there. You need those steps to get to that.
1: Yeah, and and here's the deal: I'm getting fired up by talking about this because this is what my real passion is. Right? Like this? Like I love roping calves. I've been doing it for 30 years, uh, but at this point in my life, this is my real passion: like trying to get people to the next level in the life. And when you get, you set that big, huge, and we're going into you know 2021. When you set that goal so high. Right? you got to have action steps to get there. And what happens if you put in the time, you put in the loops, you put in the practice, you put in the work in your body, you begin to believe that you actually deserve it better than that kid over there that has all the talent, all the ability, the best work. You say, you know what? He hasn't gone through what I've gone through. He hasn't put in the hours that i put in. He hasn't sit there and suffered the way I've suffered. And because I've suffered, I'm stronger than him to go kick you know, and this is the inner Tyson talking, go kick his ass. You know what I mean? Like right. when I get, I I cheer for my friends, but when I'm back in the corner, I want to kick their, I want to literally want to kick their ass. Yeah. I mean, that's just the yeah. way I look at
0: it. But you have to, that, and I, I do want to talk, uh, this will come around also in a later conversation we're going to have, but. Yeah.
1: yeah,
0: Cowboys are in a tough spot. Um, yeah. It's funny. I uh, I was talking to my not the brother you know. I have another brother on the phone on the way here to do this. And we were talking about this. Cowboys are in a tough spot of what, what cowboys are supposed to act like. And yeah. when you say that out loud, I want to kick that guy's ass. Oh, well, hey, we're all nice guys here. We're all cheering for each other. It's We didn't cheer for each other, yeah. but I still want to do that. It is uh, There is an expectation of cowboys and our behavior and our reactions we're supposed to have. The, there's some, it, it's a tough spot.
1: Yeah. It, but here's the thing. We don't verbalize it like other sports. Exactly. There, there's not the media there. There is media. Thank God for the cowboy channel and all it's doing for bringing, you know, Western sports out. But we don't verbalize. It. Like one of the things about boxing and why they drive so much hype and they get the payday they pay, they get is because they put two guys head to head and they talk trash leading up to the event yep. and it gets people engaged. And a lot of times that's not even real, right? right. Completely. It, it's not even real. Yeah. Yep. Bulldoggers are the prime examples. Bulldoggers are the best group of guys, in my opinion, as far as yeah. you know, yeah. guys in the PRCA. I don't know bull riding as much as as you would in the PBR, but they will cheer and holler and hoot and want their friend to do good. But you better bet your butt that when they back in the corner, they want to kick your butt as well. You know? And you can do both. You can do both. You don't have to be all happy go. And I'm I'm probably a little bit to blame at this. Like I'm the guy that's always building people up, always motivating people, always trying to push them. But listen, it's okay to be the good guy, but then also want to kick somebody's ass when you're back in the corner.
0: <laughs> good. See, I'm fired up now, but I don't have yeah. anybody now. Well, uh, I, I can honestly say, and then I'll get kind of out of this topic. I can honestly say, I, I know, I, I always joke that uh, I know I'm going to get paid every week. You know, I don't yeah. have to win. But yeah. but I, I've i always said life is a competition no matter what you do. Let's not I mean, take the competition out of it. My job's the same way. I love uh, Justin Rumford and, and John Harrison and Keith Isley. And and I sincerely want them to be good. I have people come to me and say, you know, such and such doesn't do as good a job as you. That's what, That doesn't make me feel better. I, I want them to be good. But when it comes time to step out in the arena, I have said... When it, when I'm at a rodeo and I don't know if this, uh, I I get off on stories too, but when I step out in the arena and at the Calgary stampede, they need 12 minutes filled because they got to rebuck all four bulls that just went. I know there's nobody can do what I'm about to do for 12 minutes. It's a similar thing.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. No, I mean, I don't, that little dance that you do, (laughs) like I've tried to do that by myself. And it just doesn't happen. So I know you, you gotta, I know you've put some practice in yeah, on careful. that dance. You
0: gotta be yeah. careful. You'll pull a hammy a quad. It's <laughs> to make
1: a um, no, but I, okay. I I agree. You yeah. gotta put in the damn work. You gotta yeah. put in the work. And hustle and grind is awesome, but balance is important too. You know, yeah. for me, I, I have the tendency to wanna just like if it was natural Tyson, like I would just work literally from eight AM to midnight every single day. Like that's just who I am. It's in my blood. That's what, mm. so I have to consciously make an effort be like, okay, I got to be a husband. I got to be a dad. I got to have my faith, right? I got to return, you know, messages on Instagram. So like I try to balance everything out, but there is a way to balance all that out. So in, in saying this to the school teacher or the other young rodeo athlete or whoever, like there is balance too. Like you don't have to be all work and forget about your family. You don't have to be all work and, you know, forget about your faith. Like there's balance in everything. And that's probably what I want to leave with, with this little topic. Cause people get so hyped up saying hustle, grind, work. Yeah, let's go. But at the end of the day, when it's time to hustle and grind, you hustle and grind. But when it's time to do faith or family, let's do that too. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: there is, you bring up family. Yeah. And I have seen, <clears throat> rodeo, cowboys, bull riders, well, and you see it in, in, it, I think probably if you and I were more exposed to every sport, I think a family can go two ways with guys like you or me or a bull rider. I've seen it go to where a guy has a new baby and it, yeah. it's a pressure of, oh God, I got to feed this baby. It can go two ways. It can go to pressure or perspective that's what i think there's a pressure oh my gosh i got to feed my family or it's a perspective in hey um i can do I, I can put this pressure on myself but really what matters is my family there's got to be a meet in the middle somewhere yeah. where you know that's how you're feeding your family but at the end of the day they're going to love me no matter what uh, uh years ago a few years ago Luke Branquino I thought got screwed out of a world title. He threw a steer yeah. and they didn't flag him cuz he they said he wasn't touching the steer. I interview him the next year like day 1 of the NFR and he cries about it. Yeah. Not because he didn't win a world title, but because at the end of the day his kids still loved him. So yeah it, it, it's in there. It's in there somewhere.
1: Yeah, what I I went I made a shift, you know like I used to be angry all the time, not perspective, like not with people seeing me, they wouldn't know it. But inside, I was working so hard to prove people wrong about what they said to me, to prove people wrong that a, a Midwest boy couldn't make it, to prove a lot of people wrong. And I got saved, and I was like, man, I can't cuss these people anymore. I, in my mind, I have to go at things with a perspective of of, of love, right? And so when I have my family. Uh, I had my first daughter in 2016. It's not a coincidence that I I won the world that year, but I had to change my perspective, right? Not only do I want to kick that guy's butt when I'm back in the corner, and yes, I have another mouth to worry about as well as the mortgage and the truck payment and employees and all that stuff, but I'm going to do it for my family. I'm going to show them what a champion looks like. I'm going to show them what, a person who loves what they do that, that because I want them to model my behavior. And really that's what helped me get through that. I was in this point of like, Hey, you know, I, I've got all this money borrowed on a ranch. I've got, you know, the, I need, I got a new horse, you know, Nico, uh, I've got a new baby. I have an amazing wife and that's great. But you know what? All the weight is hitting here. Right. And I feel, I felt like at a time, like I couldn't carry it all because I'm not that strong. Like I, I, you know, and then this is me talking through my head, but then when I flipped it, when I flipped my perspective to, Hey, I'm going to do this for them. Okay. I'm gonna do this for my wife. I'm going to show her what a husband that's a champion looks like. Somebody that never quits, never gives up. And keeps going after the dreams. I'm going to do the same for my daughter. I begin to go to another level. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and really the people that are out there, I don't care what you do. If you feel like you're wearing the weight of the world on your shoulders and you're maybe a new dad or something like that show your wife, show your kid what a champion looks like and how, and what that means is you just get back to work. You do your job and you do it for them. Okay. Not, don't think about the money. Don't think about all the stressors. Think about doing it for them so that they model your behavior and become champions 20 years down the road.
0: I think that's, I need to work on the fact that my, my kids are always watching and, and I'm in a situation that isn't ideal. I mean, uh, biggest regret uh, I will ever have in life is the end of my marriage. That yeah. it, it, hands down, and, and it affects everything. My daughters are now twenty-one and nineteen, but they're always your little girls, you know. Forever. Now here you have two little girls. How old are <laughs> How old are your girls? What How old are they?
1: Uh, I have a four-year-old and a twenty-monther.
0: Okay, so it, let's see. So pretty, Not pretty far. exactly what mine are. Yeah, um, those two. We'll have each other's backs forever. There is nothing greater to see than when big sister takes care of little sister, vice versa. Don't you? Girls are the best, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know what
1: my wife and I were talking about last night and, and she said, you know, uh, we were talking about down the road and she said, well, what were you like as a little kid? And I was like, well, who I was back then is not who I am now. Like when I was young, I fought every rodeo I went to, I was in a fight with whoever the tough kid was at the rodeo. I literally fought at every single rodeo. I hustled people out of money because I was constantly matching them on, on the rope and dummy or tying or foot race. It didn't matter. Rope climbing, trick. I would match anybody, anything, and I would win at all costs. Like that was my personality. And I was just a – because that was the environment. You know, I was raised with my dad, two brothers, two hired men on a ranch, no female influence whatsoever. And you had to tell, be tough, you had to tell dirty jokes, you had to drink whiskey if they gave you whiskey, you had to chew, you had to, it, all this stuff, at like a teenager, like this was normal. And I'm like the complete opposite now. I said, but who I am now is like, I just love my kids. Like I love my daughters. So I made this big shift as I became a parent, as I got saved slowly but gradually, and there's nothing, there is nothing I wouldn't do for my family. Prime example, yesterday. Christmas is over. I haven't been doing as much work as I need to be doing. And my wife springs on me. She's like, Hey, we're going to go ice skating and we're going to go sledding and we're going to do all this stuff over here at the Gaylord hotel. I'm like, man, I really need to get to work. Like, I have a lot of work to do. Um, And I decided, Hey, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to push all that aside. We're going to go do this ice skating and this snow. And I'm so glad I did because I know that's a day that I'll never get back. Right. I realize that now I don't want to be, you know, 60 years old and maybe have made a bunch of money and won a bunch of world titles only to have missed my child my kids childhood mm-hmm. right so i realized that now and i'm i'm glad i made that decision you know even though it did put me behind but that's okay
0: yeah, yeah. i'm good with that yeah um my girls are 26 months apart so very yeah. uh, keep yeah. keep me updated <laughs> <laughs> i got a long ways to go uh, i have a long uh, ways to go i'll tell you what my girls Wood rope every day and they're in as we as we record this they're in arizona right yeah. now because Not there that. ain't a lot of roping going on in montana right now <laughs> yeah. so they're in arizona roping anyway um a matter of fact i told my oldest daughter that you were doing this and and she really respects she she says that and and i'd like to her to talk to you more but yeah. she said, I really respect what Tyson brings as far as motivation and overcoming. So just so you know, you are awesome. there are young people paying attention. So that's a big that's a big deal. Um, awesome. told you this before we started today. Um for one, I guess when when people ask, you know, people will ask me about guests I've had on shows. What about this guy? What about this guy? And and I they've asked, well, what about Tyson Durfee? I said, the, the one way I always describe you is the reason I always have Tyson as a guest, uh, always make a point to visit. There's a bigger picture to Tyson. Mm-hmm. There's a bigger picture. Uh, what inspired me to go, it's time to have Tyson on my podcast, is the other day on Facebook, you posted a picture of Ty Murray on a Wheaties yeah. box. Ty Murray yeah. looked about 12 On his Wheaties box,
1: (laughs) but he had a gold Um, belt buckle. Yeah, 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 he did.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, as a matter of fact, he did. Um, That is you. You a lot, much like a lot of cowboys, but you are more driven towards it. You you said on that post, "This is what I would hope for: get cowboys back on on something as mainstream as a Wheaties box." You are very, you are very passionate about that.
1: I'm extremely like, I'm so passionate about that. You know, I took that picture. Uh, I was every year, Ty brands his cattle and my wife and I go down there and Ty's family actually has really close to my close ties to my family going back like 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. Ty's, uh, parents and my mom and dad at the time were both in Arizona. Ty's dad was training horses. My dad was training horses. Uh, Ty roped with my dad calves. Uh, some so it was they knew each other for a long time and I had really up until you know half a dozen years ago I'd never even really met Ty I met him and Jewel briefly at one thing and said hi um but we started we kind of connected we we started going over to his branding and every year I'd go help with the branding and and he invited us to his house afterwards and he took us in his trophy room which I was like I mean this is legendary right like I, I I mean you guys might think like I'm a world champion, he's a world champion. We hang out and do stuff together. And like, we're, you know, it's just not like that. Like it's not. And so for me to get to go in his like trophy room and see all this cool memorabilia is really amazing for me. And I see this picture this box and I'm like, I'm like, Ty, can I, can I please take a picture of that? Like I didn't want to call you like fangirl out. Cause when I was young, like I know as much as anybody about nineties bull riding. Like, all I sure. wanted to be was a bull rider. I didn't even want to be a calf roper, And so I was kind of, like, geeking out. I see this. I'm like, that is unbelievable. Like, I didn't realize how mainstream it was back then because I didn't have TV. We had a VHS, uh, you know, cassette player, and I had recorded NFRs. I didn't have TV growing up. So I didn't know about you know really the ESPN or how mainstream. And my dad was really cheap, and we didn't buy like the name brand cereal. We bought like the,
0: <laughs> the real low-end <laughs> yeah. cereal. Your, your yeah. Wheaties, you had uh you had yeah. the generic Wheaties with just some guy.
1: Yeah. yeah. On yeah. Anyway, long story short, um <clears throat> I see a I see a huge opportunity in the rodeo business right now. If you've watched the rodeo business over really since the inception of the American, media has followed where the money goes, right? More people are getting involved. There's more avenues for people to make money. You know, they're used to years ago when I started, there weren't that many sponsorships. There was a guy like Ty who probably made a lot of money. And then there was the low level guys that got maybe some free products. There wasn't a lot of guys in the middle, you know. And so I really work at number one, how can I control as many eyeballs as possible, right? And stay true to myself. And it really reflects in my social media and the things that I do. Number two is how can I raise the level that cowboys are, are brought up in society? So how can I circumvent traditional rodeo crowd? How can I outreach out further to get more people in the industry? And it really, it really boils down to, you know, in my opinion, not the last couple of years, but in the past, pro rodeo has done a terrible job at marketing its athletes. It really has. Ty, he did it on his own. You know, Ty did it on his own. Tough heat him in. Is extremely popular. Like you go to his social media, he's got 130 or 40 or 50,000 followers, and he hasn't even rode a bull in 20 years. No, you know, it was a movie.
0: It was a movie, did that for tough. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. Uh, Trevor Brazil, you know, Trevor should have been on Jay Leno, Trevor should have been on David Letterman. Like, and in the and I that's one of the things that I really look up to with the PBR is they market their athletes so well, they really do a, a much better job, I believe. Um, now, there's less of them, so it makes it maybe good easier. Good point.
0: That's a very um, good point. Yes.
1: But I just I just have a dream of seeing more Cowboys on Wheedy Box, more Cowboys, you know, with Pepsi, more Cowboys here and there. And I think a lot of people have lost sight of that, but it's one of my main passions.
0: Um, and, and you know, I always play, I don't know if I play devil's advocate in a bad way, but um, there's been a culture shift a little bit. For one, Ty Murray was a guy who did three rough stock events. It's unbelievable, and, and, and that's and and it that's is. a little bull riding is a little uh, in that category where you know when you compare Ty Murray and Trevor Brazil, a yeah. lot more people rope. Hey, I yeah.
1: can I could it's, go yeah. enter a
0: team roping right now. Uh, yeah. I may lose my thumb, <laughs> but uh, where what Ty Murray and Larry Mahan were doing, that's just and what J.B. Mooney does, for instance, that's a it's a different thing almost almost um, a different fan per se uh, yeah you know? it almost is yeah it,
1: it, i mean there's obviously more ropers and barrel racers than there are bull riders but bull riding and rough stock riding probably drives more attention as a whole than the roping or tie down roping or or whatever and i think you take a guy like you know Ty Murray you look at his whole career you know from from uh, the late 80s to what 97 or 99 like yeah. he he was, I think he won his world last PRCA championship in '97, maybe his PBR championship in 2000, something like that. And I don't quote me; somebody's gonna message me. Yeah, he so never.
0: I don't. I he talking. never won a PBR world title. He didn't. No, never was a PBR oh, world champion. One. And uh, wow. I don't. Man, look at me questioning my. But he oh. and, and it seems like I was at the NFR working it when he won a bull riding. You you're close and all. I didn't mean anyway, to. Anyway, yeah. My whatever. point is,
1: is that the rough stock careers have a lot shorter lifespans yes. than a guy. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm 37. I'm 37 and still in the mix. You know, one of the the better tie down ropers. And there's been a couple of PBR guys, but as an average, you know, most. I mean, they're probably a little bit better than half the field was in their 30s. You yeah. know, we don't have that young talent graduate up uh, like the the bull riders do, but they demand so much more media in a short period of time that almost has a longevity. You take yeah. Larry, for instance, and that was even before media. I mean, Larry Mahan had his name on products <laughs> out the wazoo. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Ty's done a phenomenal, there's just so many guys in the, in the rough stock side of things. And here's, here's the way I look at it. I'm not a tie down roper against bull riding. I'm not a tie down roper against bareback. Like we're exactly. all together. You know what I mean? Like we're all together. And I, I think that, I'm actually really excited where rodeo is going to go, even with the little small part that I have invested and what I'm trying to do, like people are are taking notice. And I I really believe like that post I did with Ty Murray the other day, hundreds of comments talking about Ty Murray, hundreds, hundreds. And he hasn't rode a bull in how many years? that shows you how powerful that name is, right? Uh, hey, he doesn't when, even do social no, media. Yeah, That's no, the thing. Like, he doesn't does. put himself
0: out there. <laughs> hey, and I will say this. To build off of what you said, you're not a, a timed event against Rough Stop. No. Guess what? Uh, when we're at PBR stuff, we talk about rodeo. Steer yeah, wrestler, I, know. I Steer it. wrestlers come to me and ask about PBR. Uh, fans, I get a lot of the PBR versus PRCA thing. That is Sorry. not created by us. That's no. that's up here with, I have no idea why. But PBR has, I, I, I will say this because I did both for a long time. PBR has a regular TV schedule every single week during the season, and it's done nothing but when the local rodeo comes to town, makes those people want to go to the rodeo.
1: I agree hundred percent. And to be honest with you, I, I watch all the PBRs. Mm-hmm. I'm an avid PBR fan. And if I'm not home on a Friday night or I DVR the damn thing and watch <laughs> it anyway, I'm like, don't tell me what, you know, so-and-so did. Yeah. And I, I just really enjoy it. I really do. I think it's, I think a rising tide lifts all ships, uh-huh. you know, it's not that one has to be better than the other. And I'm excited. I think it's, I think there's great opportunities. And, and that's like when that post, like, saying that there's great opportunity in rodeo. There is like, I don't care if you're from an inner city or you're a small country kid and you grew up on a farm and your parents, like there's opportunity in this sport if you're willing to get in, but you got to know it's not going to be easy. It's gonna be harder than anything you've ever done in your life. Okay. Uh, but it is it's a lot of fun.
0: Controversy. I don't know if this is a controversial topic because I'll put it the right way. I, um, a uh, uh, you know getting rodeos out there on the cowboy channel and somebody's going to take this wrong i have friends at the cowboy channel i've worked for rfd tv and cowboy channel serious question though is a channel called cowboy channel going to get it out there as much as a sports channel because are other people uh, i will i will say this when we do a 1 hour 1515 bucking battle on a sunday afternoon after an nfl game on cbs 1.6 million people. I mean, so yeah. Cowboy Channel is bringing it in what you are talking about. It, it is it bringing in that outside person that might turn on the Cowboy Channel or not?
1: So here's the thing. <clears throat> to get good, you got to get started. Yeah. To get good, you have to get started. What drives media? Talk shows like this. Mm-hmm. Cowboy Channel. ESPN, whatever you, to get good, you have to get started. You don't say, Hey, I'm going to start off an ESPN and, 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 you know, we're going to blow up and it's going to be amazing. People want to know the in-depth background on our life. They really do. And the one thing I'll tell you about the cowboy channel is getting like in depth knowledge of cowboys is now happening. It's never happened before. It's always been, Hey, tell me about your win. I agree. I agree with that. Yes. And, and, and so, I think it's doing good. I think Mm -hmm. it's bringing fans deeper into our life, which is amazing. And it's also, hey, here's the deal. It's also up to us as contestants to do more. Are we posting on social media? Do we each – every freaking contestant ought to have a damn podcast. They ought to have to try to get as much reach as they possibly. can. Hey, get. listen,
0: I've interviewed a lot of rodeo contestants. Not everyone needs to be on a microphone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think JB needs his own podcast. Oh, it, it, oh, drinking beer with JB, oh, like I'm telling you, with, he yeah. would have millions of, of you yeah, of downloads. That's true. But and answer to the question, I think I think it's a good thing. You know, yeah. it's it's a starting point example of this. So uh, Mike Huckabee, Governor Mike, uh, former presidential yeah. candidate, a sponsor of mine, a great friend. Um, I was on a show, uh, my wife and I were back in October, uh, November, excuse me, November. He said, hey, you know, this year he was coming to the NFR. He comes to the NFR every year. Something happened. He couldn't make it, um, which was probably okay, you know, not a big thing. But he was flipping through the channels and he said, hey, I was flipping through the channels the other day and I just so happened to flip onto this Cowboy channel right as you were backing in the box. He's like, I couldn't believe it. And, he, and then he watched me go and they ended up watching the rodeo for like an hour. Sure. And so I think there's an interesting there. Sometimes people just get sick of what they're watching. There's nothing on. They want to flip through. And who the hell doesn't like John Wayne? Like yeah. who doesn't like Clint Eastwood? And when you think cowboy, that's what you think. So a lot of people, I think, will almost take them back to a childhood dream when they cross that channel.
0: Yeah. Uh, you, you touched on what I wanted. When I, when I am devil's advocate, I know somebody's going to say, oh, did you hear Flint, bad mouth, and cowboy channel? No. <laughs> Uh, But, but that's a, that's a great point that, and and you brought it up earlier to circle back what uh, the PBR's goal was to make the Cowboys the stars, not just at bull riding and, Mm -hmm. and uh, the opportunity when you say there are less of them, it's, it's the reason why, uh, yes, in Billings, Montana, last fall, we had the PBR, but the pro rodeo got canceled. Well, because the pro rodeo was part of a stock show. We have, we have 35 guys. Yeah. So on CBS Sports Network, they can take the time to get in depth and meet people. That is the key, Tyson, what you just said. Yeah. And I watched Justin McKee. I've watched it and Steve Kenyon do all these interviews and shows with you guys. The key is to meet you in another way. Yeah. That, that was when I started doing my Outside the Barrel stage show at the NFR when it was the only one with a yeah. stage. Yeah. And, um, I wanted people to meet you, not just, hey, tell us about your run. Well, I got out good. That was a great start. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Back to you guys. We need to meet you guys. We need to know the real guys. That's the key. Well,
1: one of the reasons I do social is because I want to touch people on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Right? I, want to, I don't want people to see me on TV or see me on this sh- uh, on something and be like, oh, he's an athlete. Okay, that's good. That's it. Yeah. No, like, I have dreams. I have aspirations. I have a hell of a lot of struggles. There's been days where I, I didn't have the money to put gas in my tank, right? <laughs> I mean, I might've had a little bit of TV coverage on the same time that made me look like I was doing really good at the days I couldn't afford that. You know, yeah. now I, I'm further along in my career. I don't have those struggles anymore, but like knowing me on a deeper level is how I got 700,000 people that follow me on social media. Like literally is how I did it. And I'm not like the greatest champion. I I mean, I would be lying to you if I didn't look over my career and say I should have done better. I could be a three-time champion. I could be a four-time champion. I could be like a you know, a, a Trevor or a, a Tuff or, or something like that. Um, I haven't won as much as I wanted to win with my career. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that I've been able to build a following and build multiple businesses surrounding me creating income outside of the arena is through my social media, right? And I know that with the leverage of a gold belt buckle doesn't give you financial freedom for the rest of your life. Right. (laughs) Right. And so uh, I, I, my, one of my regrets is the fact that maybe if I didn't do all the other stuff, maybe I could have more gold buckles, but I also got to feed my family and got to love my life. And I really, what, with, with how I built my social was I wanted to touch people on a deeper level. I really did. Not just the guy that won something in the arena.
0: I said early in my career, people said, what's your goals in rodeo? I said, they're not all in rodeo. It's to use this to go a little farther. And and uh, the guys that are in here that helped me, you know, I started doing Facebook Live stuff in, in March because the country was shut down. And here yeah. we are now. And and there was when I first started doing it, there was always lots of comments that said, come on, where's your makeup? That's not the Flint we know. No, it's not the <laughs> Flint. No, it's not. It's not. That isn't a real. That, yeah. That's yeah. uh this is me. I I've wanted to say, I'm not just a clown who happens to take his makeup off and do this. This is the other side. Yeah. We're, and I say that to not talk about me, but we're on that same page. There's a different person always somewhere in there. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah we're, we're, we're multi-levels. We're
1: multi-levels. And some guys can't do that. Yeah. Some guys are so focused on their sport and that's it. And it's 24 seven. And, 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 and that's awesome. But for me, you know, I've been ADD my whole life. I grew up dyslexic. I was in every learning disability class there was growing up. I was with the the, the special. I was in the uh, special education. And so um, I used to think I was really dumb. I really did. I used to think I was dumb or I wasn't smart. Uh, I just didn't know how to control my mind. I was going so many directions all the time. Uh, and as I got older, I realized that, you know what, I, 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 I'm not Dumb, or I it, because I'm dyslexic and I can't read, it doesn't mean that I'm not intelligent. It just means that I have to control my mind and focus it on what I want to do. And when I decided that it was roping, that's okay. And when I was only roping, I was miserable. I hated my life. But when I figured out, okay, it's roping a little bit, it's, 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 you know, maybe roping eight hours a day, but the other eight hours a day that my mind just going 100 miles an hour, it could be social media, it could be building a bell buckle business, it could be helping my wife with our baby products line. And it's a lot of these things. And for me, that's that's how I found true happiness was by working on multiple things at the same time. Huh. Interesting.
0: Yeah. When you when you said you felt like you should work daylight to dark, I instantly said, that's not me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll be honest. I, I, I'm not that way now. Right. But that's the natural me. Yeah, uh, that's... To be That's interesting. I have, uh, you know, how many people have we talked to in our lifetime said, I was dyslexic and couldn't read and thought I was dumb. And and they go on to become such great. I don't know. Thank you for that. It's, uh, I think that's an interesting topic. Um, I touched on this earlier. Now I want to take it a little different where cowboys are in a tough spot. You know, what we can do, what I think money, I think money is a tough spot for cowboys uh, I experienced it years ago when uh, you know, everybody wants cowboys. How often do you hear cowboys should make more money? Cowboys should make more money. But then it's look at those spoiled athletes over there. They make too much money. So yeah. I feel like we everybody wants cowboys to make more money. Until they make more money, then are they a sellout? Are they when I when I went uh to exclusively be in the PBR. I didn't yeah. give up rodeo. I still have a connection to rodeo. That's, uh, yeah. that's, I'm a rodeo guy too. And instantly everybody said, Oh, yeah, he's going to make a bunch of money in the PBR. Didn't have to do with money. It had to do with I felt like I accomplished all I could accomplish and I wanted yeah. to try a different challenge.
1: Yeah.
0: Cowboys are in a tough spot. Uh, I think, my opinion is, as you and I talked, everything you're working on and doing that you probably, you may not know this, I I would think you get pushback. Oh, yeah, Tyson, he's working on this, this, this. It's hard to win here. It's hard for Cowboys to win in that department.
1: Yeah, so here's the thing, you know, and I, I, I see it, you know, I don't know how to maybe put this the correct way, but if you want to become a rodeo athlete and you seriously want to do it and you don't come from an abundant financial means, you need multiple streams of income. All right. Now you might be thinking like, what is that? What is that? Okay. Well, maybe you shoe horses, you shoe horses while you're rodeoing. Maybe you have a herd of cows. Those are two things that a lot of cowboys have that create multiple streams to get down the road. Um, as you get down the road and you're providing you know, yourself the lifestyle that you want, you get another stream of income from sponsors if you work at it. Okay. Now money only creates the real you. It, it only amplifies who you really are. If you're a good guy like you and and you make 5 million, 10 million bucks a year, you're not going to walk by me on the street and say, oh, that's I'm too good for him. No, it really is who you are. I do believe that cowboys need to make more money, but it's up to us to figure it out. Nobody should be the ones giving it to us. Right. right? We got to figure it out for ourselves, because if you're a good guy, you're going to be an even better guy. If you're an ass, then you're just going to be an ass with or without money. It just amplifies who true. you are. So true. The true. only difference is if you have gold belt buckles and a lot of money in your ass, people still kind of like you and want to be around you.
0: <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> if you don't have you, it, they don't want to be you around you. You don't even but, know me.
1: Yeah. But I think I think you're going to see Cowboys incomes rise over the next few years. If you're young, trying to get started, you got to have multiple streams of income. Learn a skill, learn a trade right now. Learn a skill, learn a trade whether it's video editing on your computer, I would recommend uh, learning a skill yeah. on the computer. That way you can do it while you're traveling. Sure. Um, and, you know, that's what I had to say about it.
0: You know, money, I, I, I hear a lot of fans, especially in my deal with PBR, these Cowboys, this job is so dangerous. They should be making millions like football players because you choose to do something hard does not mean that you will make money because you choose to do something dangerous. Doesn't mean you make money football, basketball, baseball, uh, those athletes, a lot of time, do I think in general, maybe they make too much money? Yeah, probably. But I think where that money comes from is demand. Uh, There's billion dollar TV deals for the NFL. The NFL is, that's where the money comes from. It's not the fact you chose a dangerous sport. So you need, uh, what I'm, I'm going to, I'm picking up what you're saying. Cause see, you motivate me. Ty. You, you can, even if the demand, if it's not a billion dollar TV deal to put rodeo on TV, cause that's where the owners and players make some money. Yeah. You can create that in yourself. That's kind of what you're telling guys. You need to get out there. You need to put yourself out, let people know you. That creates a demand on you personally, which can create revenue streams correct? hundred
1: percent. hundred percent. It's all, it's all derived through, through media. So starting back three years ago, I said, Hey, I, I like to talk to people. What if I just talk to this camera and post it on the internet? And then I could book speaking gigs because people see me on social media, talking about things that trigger emotion or things I'm going through or whatever. That was my whole game plan. And I was going to do speaking gigs and I was going to rodeo. So I created demand by the fact that I said, Hey, I'm going to talk on this computer screen, this computer or my phone or whatever I had. And I would post it online. I'd do a nice little write-up, and people would see me do it. And little did I know, my plan worked. I twelve months later, I had started getting speaking gig deals come in like left and right, now left and right. And you know, the the beginning ones were you know thousand bucks, and then all the way up to you know seven or eight thousand bucks for, for an hour. And so it was one of those things <laughs> where I created the demand by talking to my audience, which put it out to the world right yeah. and any cowboy can do that and you just have to get out of your comfort zone i don't like the sound of my voice i don't have a really deep nice voice like you or like oh, <laughs> no i i get over it yeah. i had to get over it and you can create demand in a lot of different ways um and and, and obviously my speaking deal didn't work out because covid and, and it all shut down uh, but then i pivoted yeah i pivoted what if i could do it online mm-hmm. so That's, that's where we went with that. But Cowboys just, you got to think outside the box. Yeah. You got to think outside the box or outside the barrel
0: or outside the barrel.
1: Got to think outside the barrel. (laughs) But I will tell all of you guys out there that are thinking about getting in the rodeo business. If you're the very best in the world, the very best in the world, you're going to make between 250 and probably $750,000 a year. That's if you're number one, probably top five, top five. If you're less than that, you're just going to make maybe a good living. Maybe. And I mean, good living mean like 70, 80 grand a year above cost of living. Right. And so if you will, if if you do it because you love it, then it'll make it so much easier. Yeah. Don't get into this industry. If you think it's about being wealthy or rich or anything like that, it doesn't work. It does not. This isn't wall street. Yeah. It doesn't work. That
0: way. I've had, I've had people not really in the rodeo business or bull riding business come to me and say, so what does a rodeo clown make? I said, I can't answer that. Well, why? Well, it's not a teaching job. You know, there's not a scale, it's not written down. A lot of guys want it to be that way, where yeah. we all charge the same. Or I said, I can tell you what I make. Well, what are you saying? I said, I think I'm pretty good. And instantly, oh, well, aren't you sa- yeah. 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 That's hey, I do wanna say, and I'm not gonna keep you much longer, but I, I wanna no, say it's funny. We have two things. I mean, I've always done speaking gigs and stuff, but always been really afraid, don't have the confidence to charge good money for it because I just didn't know what I had to offer. The opposite, what you said, you have had a speaking thing and COVID kind of shut it down. What COVID did, the one thing COVID did for me was got me doing this more and now has given me the confidence to take it farther. It's funny how it can work either way.
1: Everything, like the, the moment that you decide that everything works out for your good, your life changes everything. Mm. And I, I, I firmly believe that I feel like everything that's thrown at me and and I'm talking deep, like losing a family member, something like that will ultimately work out for the good. Right. I, I firmly believe that You, you break your leg in the middle of a season, it'll work out for your good. You'll come back bigger, better, stronger. You had adversity. Adversity makes us stronger. It's good for us. It's it's something we need in our life to push forward. And I know you're thinking in your mind, well, what if this happened or what if that happened? But the truth of the matter is, if you live in that pessimistic mindset, it only takes you down. When you live in an optimistic mindset, you have the open ability to go out and achieve and grow. And so I just don't live in negativity. I choose to think that everything works for my good. And at the end, I have that happy-go-lucky attitude, and things seem to work out.
0: Yeah, uh, I will say I have fought my head in this last year, and if there's one thing I'll take from that, it is what you just said. It's uh, as soon as you realize that everything happens in your life is for your good, things will change. That's that's the one thing I'm going to write down from this conversation. I, I'm starting. I'm starting to think that I wanted to have you on this podcast cuz i needed the counseling <laughs> no man uh, but I,
1: I yeah you are an amazing individual and everybody listening it's an honor to get to have flynn in your in your radio or in your on your video screen like on your uh iphone it's just amazing like i enjoy this so much because yeah. i've always felt like i was alone like a little bit different than everybody else and alone you know because i do a lot of other things too and I love that you have the hustle and the grind to go and do the other stuff as well, because it sets you apart, It makes you yeah. different and unique.
0: That's what we got to do. So listen, Tice, um, when when I said to my guys here that helped me, I, I need to have Tyson on this in this next week, I'm going to reach out right after Christmas. We're going to do this, this. Um, I wanted, I felt like a conversation with you on this podcast could accomplish a certain thing. And in this hour we just spent together in all the past, we've had like a little 10 minute window that we, yeah, had. It, no ac- it accomplished exactly. And a little more than I hoped for just so you Thank know. You. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. I appreciate that. And I want, I am going to point my girls the, to your direction. They've learned to rope from a lot of great people. And I think you bring one little extra factor in there that uh, will help them a lot. And I appreciate that. So. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm always here for you, brother, whatever you need.
0: Yeah. Listen, Tyson Durfee, you are, uh, we'll do this again. You're, you're not a one timer on according to Flint. So, uh, I appreciate it, buddy. Always good to see you, man.
1: Thank you, sir. Have a great day.
0: Tyson Durfee, everybody bringing a little bit of his life according to Flint. See you next time, everybody.